There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You know, I've spent decades, better than four decades, working the game of hockey. Uh, fortunate enough to meet some of the great legends of the game, watch them come into the game, shine, and now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives us an opportunity to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what these guys are up to today. Today's NHL legend, a Stanley Cup champion, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, World Cup gold medalist, World Junior gold medalist on one of the greatest World Junior teams of all time. Top 100 scorers of all time in NHL history, Ryan Getzlaff. Ryan, great to catch up with you, my friend. I'm looking forward to, to catching up to what you've been doing over the last 12 months. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the Crave. Download the 7 Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave Crushers to your door almost before you can say, Fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering, Wings, or Pizza, in your ear, right now. For just $11.69, order a large, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a 2-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7. When I think of where you were just 12 months ago, like this is not a big post-retirement story, remember when. <laughs> this time last year, man, you were still playing. You are still like, I think at this point, you hadn't even really decided what you are going to do, right? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird looking back on it now. I mean, obviously last year was kind of a whirlwind. There was always kind of something going on depending on what game it was. Um, and obviously the second half of the season was um, <laughs> almost dedicated to me, which was a little uncomfortable, but we, we really got to enjoy it. The farewell tour. Come on, man. Yeah, I got to enjoy it, though. That's for sure. Was that an important thing for you to kind of let people know? I, I'll talk about the emotion of the actual retirement announcement, because that was that was crazy with what that went on. But that was that important to you to kind of let people know, don't don't call my agent. I'm not looking for an extension. I'm not looking. I just want to get a good opportunity to say goodbye. Why was that important to you? I think it just, I think most of that weighed into the fact that I had been able to play somewhere my whole career. Um, I got yeah. to be in Anaheim the whole time. Um, you know, I, I wasn't looking for the big farewell tour. Um, I know it kind of turned out a little bit that way at the end. Um, obviously playing LA late was good. Um, LA was a building that I definitely wanted to, yeah. you know, wanted to finish out the end of the year at, um, had a lot of history in that building. And then to be able to go home and, and finish my career at home, um, with our fans, um, I, it couldn't have been more special that night, uh, the way the fans turned out and stuff in a season that wasn't that great. What's it, what's it like now? I mean, you've had a chance. I mean, are you even starting to get used to the judgment? Like, I mean, imagine <laughs> a few months ago at the start of this or even in the summer, like from the time you can remember from the time you were five or six years old, you're spending the summer to get ready for hockey in the fall. You're, you know, trying to get in shape or working on something you want to do. All of a sudden you're looking ahead to this fall and there wasn't any of that. What was that like for you? Well, it was great not having to get back in shape. 
<laughs> but was it That's weird a, though to just say that was always a grind. I could keep eating, let's keep having barbecues. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that was the problem we did. So um <laughs> no, it was it was really weird for I remember I think it was the beginning of July, things really hit um where my body was so used to just getting ready to go. Um it was kind of like, hey, what are we doing? Why aren't we uh why aren't we going to the rink? And um so that part of it was a little bit uncomfortable um for a couple weeks, I remember. And then just just the overall um, preparation um, that getting back into that routine uh, was a little bit weird to get to get started on a different routine and um, and the way things were going to be this year. I know uh, it could be dangerous though because now all of a sudden you got all this extra free time, especially yeah. for you know <laughs> tell our audience about the fact you've got a bit of a weakness thanks to your old teammate Timo Solani when it comes to cars. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a weakness with cars, that's for sure. What's going on with that? Bit. Well, I definitely have to sell before I buy now. Um, uh, when I'm buying cars and doing stuff, uh, that's not quite as extravagant anymore. What's what's your favorite car that you've got that you can't part ways with? Um, I don't I don't really have an emotional attachment to cars. That's my that's my bigger problem. I think <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, right now I have I got a big F two fifty truck and I just got the the new Hummer EV. Oh, so see I've the Regina now. boy. It's still it's still in your blood. You've been in Anaheim. Yeah, I've now been loving for... it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get home? Have you been able to get home a little more often now? Uh, not a ton. I mean, obviously, we don't don't get home a whole lot in the winter time. No, um, no. <laughs> no I am Good coming call. to Regina. Uh, in April here, I got a few trips back there and do a couple speaking engagements and stuff. So it'll be good to see family and friends for that. Um, but my family comes here. I mean, that's, uh, I for have sure. four kids, I have four kids in school and all the other stuff. So it's a lot easier for them to come down here and, and trust me, they, they want to come down here during the winter months. Now you're getting some options of stuff to do. Uh, I heard that your wife was being approached about the real housewives of orange oh, County. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was actually a couple of years ago, but I know. But I thought <laughs> now that you got the free time, maybe you'll say yes. Yeah, because now that I'm done, I want to get divorced. <laughs> that's not uh, that's not in the cards for our family. We don't uh, we don't love that stuff. We don't love the spotlight a whole lot. Uh, my wife did that uh, that hockey wife show once, and yeah. uh, that was enough for us. <laughs> that's hilarious. We're in conversation with Stanley Cup champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, Ryan Getzlaff. This is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. Uh, Ryan, you, you kind of alluded to this, and I, and I think it's it's really important that we, we talk about this, how much you loved Anaheim, and you're still living there now. I mean, it's so rare to see a guy spend his entire career with one organization. You did it, and you did it extensively, and you did it successfully. I remember um, the trade deadline was a deadline 2021 where you came really, really close to saying yes. Cause you had a full no move, obviously. Uh, what was that like when you were finding about, I mean, you weren't going to win another cup with Anaheim at this stage where the organization was, how tempting was it? How close did you come to say, yeah, move me. And how did you go about making that call? Yeah, it was, uh, that was tough. That was it. You know, I can honestly say that was the only trade deadline that I ever lost sleep over. Um, you know, every other year, it wasn't really a question. Um, obviously, I had a full no move for most of my career, um, yeah. so I was in control. But um, at no point did I ever, you know, throughout that, think about it. Um, it was always about how can I get Anaheim back to the Stanley Cup. That was the whole time. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think that 
that year, um, it was a couple of years ago. Um, it was the COVID season. Um, yeah. It was kind of a weird year overall. Everything was kind of in limbo. Um, and so I think that was the only real reason that I kind of thought about it. Um, I basically um, had told Bob that, that Vegas was the only team that I would go to. It was close. Uh, my family wouldn't have to move for the second half of the year, that kind of stuff, um, all weighed into it. Um, and then, you know, it was a whirlwind. We, uh, the day before, me and Bob talked a lot. He talked to Vegas. They had kind of a deal into place. Um, there was one piece that wasn't working that Bob was trying to get. And, you know, ultimately I, I said to Bob that, you know, if the deal makes sense for the team, you have to do it. Um, it was going to make their team better, faster, all that stuff. Um, I woke me and my wife were up basically all night long. Um, I was, I was going to say I woke up at 2 AM, but I was awake still. Um, and I text Bob and I just said, I don't think I can do it. And, and the funny thing is he texted me back and was like, I don't think I can either. And then, so ultimately wow. we called it off and, um, and stayed, stayed where I was. And, uh, I was very grateful to have a GM that was able to talk to me like that and, and really respect the way that, um, you know, I'd spent my career here. It's funny, Gats, because, you know, when I, I talked to obviously a lot of players for a lot of years now, because I'm old, <laughs> uh, to see the look on your face as you're talking about Bob and you're talking about Anaheim and the city and stuff, I can really feel how, how tough that must have been for you. Because, I mean, that became your life, right? I mean, sometimes we think of a guy as a pro athlete guy or woman as a pro athlete. And you're like, yeah, I'm making a great living out of it and taking care of my family with it. But you forget about the personal aspect of it. The, the attachment you have of an area, right? An area, an organization, that commitment level. And that really comes across in the way you're talking. So that, do you still really feel that? Yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I just have always been, I think in my whole, you know, younger life, my, the way I was brought up, um, the way I went through junior, um, I always kind of felt, you know, an attachment to the organization. When I came to Anaheim, um, you know, when I finally made the team here was the same year that Henry and Susan took over. And so all, you know, ultimately we've been together the whole time. And so I felt like I grew with the organization. I helped push the organization. Um, they were loyal to me. I was loyal to them. We always kind of had that, um, that ability or that uh, respect for each other, which has been great. Um, and, and so I think that that's always been where my heart is. Um, I'd never known anything else. When I was in Calgary in junior, I watched players come and go a little bit, all that stuff, but I stayed in the same place the whole time um, and always felt that loyalty. I got to ask you about this. Cause this one kind of has always, has always confused me a little bit. I love Corey Perry. Corey Perry's a great guy. <laughs> But his personality is so much different than yours. Like yeah. when I look at guys and think which guys would get along together. I mean, obviously it worked for you guys and fantastic. This is great, but I never would have put the two of you guys together just for background. So our audience knows this. You guys were literally born six days apart. Uh, you got drafted 19th overall in 03. Corey Perry got drafted uh, right behind you in the draft. And it was, it was kind of like, you, you didn't play junior together. You played against each other uh, at times, and, but it was, it was weird, a weird kind of symmetry. Is there a way to explain your relationship with Corey Perry? <laughs> like help me to understand this. <laughs> Opposites attract, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a, it, it is a weird um, 
the way it worked out because you're you're right our our personalities are very different uh, but we've also complemented each other really well in that aspect um yeah you know Paris is very reserved person until you meet him um not not outspoken doesn't love interviews any of that stuff yeah. um you know and 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 was always kind of under underappreciated i think like most of his career he's always kind of underappreciated on you I don't know, know man. I well, think we we thought he was a pretty special player. <laughs> well, I, I I think growing up though, he was always kind of the underdog. Yeah. I think because he he didn't skate very well. He okay, fair. You know, there's certain yeah. aspects of his game that he, he doesn't do very well uh, as yeah. far as standing out. Yeah. Um, and so it enabled, you know, that enabled me to take the brunt of that stuff and him to kind of do his thing. And um, you know, even when we came to our first camp, they they had us together. Um, they had a vision, obviously, for us to play together. Yeah. But his first camp, <laughs> Paris came in. He was only 160 pounds or something, and yeah. kind of the wind blew, and he fell over. And yeah. um, you know, and we all went back to junior, and you know, he had a big year um, development wise, everything. And we came back to camp uh, with a different attitude and um, and expectations of of ourselves in general. It wasn't quick either, right? You talked about the fact you both did go back to junior. Then you both went back to the American Hockey League. You played the Ducks. Neither one of you made the step immediately. So was that a good bonding thing for you guys? Well, I think that's just it. Like we we kind of went through everything together. So you were forced to be, you know, forced into a, uh, a friendship, so to speak. But it, Yeah, but sometimes but you get worked. forced into that and you just butt and it, heads. And it butt heads, exactly. <laughs> but it, it worked because I think that, you know, I was able to talk and be myself. Um, he's a, he's a little bit shyer until you get him opened up. And, um, so it was almost like a shield for each other. Um, and, and to go through, I think that the going to the minors thing was a big part, um, because that's a tough thing for any player, yeah. especially a young player that thinks that they should be on the team. We, sh- we felt like we were contributing in the NHL and then all of a sudden you get set down and it's like, it's kind of devastating, but you go down together, had the success we did in the, in the minors, um, that, it, that enabled the team to pull us back up together and, you know, the rest is history kind of from there. Yeah. And quick history too. Uh, you guys got put on the kid line yourself and pairs and, uh, Dustin Penner, you guys, yeah. uh, as the kid line that, that was a nice smooth transition. You want to walk us through uh year two for you guys in the NHL. Why don't you do that for our audience? Yeah. The year two was, I mean, that was, you know, the back up a step. We went to the conference finals my first year. Yeah. Uh, where I learned a lot. I got to participate in the NHL playoffs for the first time, go deep into the playoffs, understand what it took to to compete at that level and how much yeah. different the game was. Um, went into that summer with a plan. Um, we went in, I, I had to work, I had to get bigger, stronger to play the game that I wanted to play. Um, and then, you know, us trading for Chris Pronger in the offseason was kind of like this big, like, okay, we're going for this thing. It was and, a freaking monster, you know, a big deal, psychological. Yeah. Lift. It was huge. Yeah, it was huge. It just sent the message up and down our organization that we were going for the Stanley Cup. And um, and so right from training camp, it was like we didn't mess around. There wasn't a million people at training camp. Um, we got down to our team fairly quickly um, and just went with the attitude that, you know, we were going to win right away and started that season. And, you know, and, and we kind of just went through the whole year with that same mentality. You were still just a kid, though, man. You were you didn't even turn twenty two until the playoffs, right? I mean, yeah, I was enjoying the heck of it. Let me tell you, it no was, kidding, uh, it was a blast. I mean, we, and the nice part was again, like I, I wasn't a lone twenty year old. 
you know, or 21 year old. Um, we got to go through it together, which was cool. Me and Pears, even Penner, uh, Chris Kunitz was, well, Cooney was the old man, but we thought yeah. of him as a young I mean, your guy. Group he was. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, we all got to go through it together, which was really cool. I mean, I, I remember even at a rookie party the year before we had seven rookies, I think on that team. Yeah. And you know, we also had Tino Solani and Scott Niedermeyer. Don't make it sound like you were the all kids team that won the cup. No, 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 we definitely weren't. But we had a great mixture, which was awesome because our, our young players got to develop and and not have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We got to just play. Um, you know, and you know, obviously having two of the top three defensemen in the league <laughs> yeah. is uh is a is a nice treat to have on the back end to kind of bail you out when you make mistakes. That's pretty cool. Uh, do you want to talk about Corey Perry's weird pregame rituals? Can you share that with our oh, audience? Geez. I don't know. How much time do you have? <laughs> hey, it's your stage, That's, brother. Uh, it's the beauty of a podcast. Oh, you get to you get to share right. your stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Perry's has got a lot going on. Uh, I don't <laughs> even know where he's at anymore. Um, there was always different things. Perry's ran the whole warm-up. If anyone ever watches warm-up, you'll see that nobody does anything except what Perry wants to do yeah. at that point. The whole warm up stops. Everyone stands around and he shoots pucks a certain way. And uh, there was always stuff like that. He taps doorways. He tapes a stick at a certain time. And uh, it's pretty crazy. All the stuff he does. <laughs> I don't even know how he remembers it all, but it works, man. Hey, he's still playing. Yeah. And then you get to parade the Stanley cup around the ice with your buddy. You're just, I think you had just turned 22 at that point. What was that like for you? Like, I mean, did you start to think, holy crap, the NHL is actually way easier than I thought it was. What a league. Eh? It's just easy. No, I, I, you know what? I think at the time, um, you know, being as young as we were, we just enjoyed it, which was great. Yeah. Um, there wasn't much that went into it. Um, got to, you know, I finished the last game on the ice with pairs, got to be the first ones to grab Jiggy. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I think I just remember I, I just remember thinking all the emotion that those other guys uh, wow. had into it. You know, that you know, the tears that Tamo and those guys have been working so long to get it. Um I, I remember really taking that in and enjoying that, uh, and how much that it, it meant to those guys. Cause I don't want to say it meant less to us, but at the time we were more just rolling with it and celebrating um like we normally normally would when you win. Um they were, you know, it was a heartfelt thing that they'd been trying to get for a long time. Yeah. In conversation with Ryan Gatslash, Stanley Cup champion with the, with the I'm Ducks, two-time Olympic gold medalist. This is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. And I guess it wasn't that long after that that, you know, the team said, okay, now guys are aging out. They're moving on. We need to know where we're looking for leadership. And I think it was just maybe three years later. Was it 2010? where they gave you the C, what was that like for you? Yeah, that was, um, you know, it was kind of natural for me. I didn't, I didn't take too much out of it. It didn't, um, it didn't put any extra pressure on me. I had to deal with a couple other things, obviously off the ice. Yeah. Um, but again, at that time, I still had a great support group around me. Um, I had Saku Koivu in the locker room at that time. Yeah. Uh, I remember we had a team vote and, it was really close between me and Saku. I can't remember what the numbers were, but they were definitely close. And I remember Saku, me, Saku, and uh, uh, and Randy sat in office, and, and Saku said, no, he said, give it to Getz for sure. He's like, I'm here to support him. I will support you any way you need. And and that felt really good because he's obviously yeah. been a captain in the league, been through a lot of different things. And 
Um, and so I always felt like I had the support of the locker room. Which and you get to tell guys in the room that, that Saku was on your side and said, that, yeah, this is what we need to do. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, yeah. he couldn't handle it anymore, like a professional. And, and I think that the guys really respond to that. Um, and those first couple of years were able to support me, um, in any way that, you know, things went <laughs> array. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about something, which I, which has really always impressed me about you. And it's one of these things that, that doesn't get, you know, we're not doing hits on this and we're not having conversations about this in the media, but it really kind of says, I think a lot about you and a lot of stuff that goes on your relationship with Troy Terry. This is a kid that when he came into the league, there were some, there are, there are some tough transitions you've got to make when you step into this league, not only physically, like you were talking about, had to go back and put some beef on the off season, but mentally too, there's some, there's some stuff there. Tell me about your relationship with Troy Terry and how you became a mentor to him and other guys around the room. But I think in particular with him. Yeah. At Terrace, we always kind of, we hit it off a little bit. Um, it's funny because Terrace is all, he's, he's almost like Perry was when he, he was kind of quiet to, to some extent, um, yeah. had a, a quiet confidence about him. Um, you know, he went through, you know, college and stuff where he was the guy I think. And, um, but he always is a kid that kind of made fun of himself and liked to be the butt of the joke and, and it kind of kept him involved. So, um, but he always was very appreciative. And that, that was one thing that I always liked, uh, when he started, um, he, he asked questions, he picked brains, he, uh, and he wasn't too ashamed to admit that he didn't know everything. And, yeah. um, and so I think at that point, um, me and him had a great relationship building and the fact that he was always kind of bouncing things off me, trying to figure things out and, and I always kind of had a soft spot for him because I knew how talented he was when he, when we first saw him, you know, in, uh, in camp and stuff, it was incredible. Um, the talent that he had, and it was just about owning on, on all the other things of the game, um, the aspects that are going to be exposed when it comes yeah. to a pro game, as opposed to junior. So, um, we built that relationship and then, you know, I always tried to be, I tried to be there for anybody that, that needed it or wanted it, um, and that was but you also do want to thing. handle the kid, though, which I think I think is really cool. He likes to tell the story, and this is his story that he put this out there about the great ping pong challenge, where you were chirping him about his car, and, oh, that, yeah. and that became the bet. <laughs> tell us that story. Yeah, he lost that car that, that day. He well, tell tell our audience because our audience doesn't know the story. You tell the audience. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. It was during the COVID season. I. I think I, it was. I can't remember where we were. Yeah, it was yeah. during the COVID season. I think we might have been in Denver, even his hometown. And in, during the COVID season, we they, the hotels would set up these rooms for us because we couldn't go anywhere. Um, yeah. So we had ping pong tables, and uh, and Terrence wasn't a very good ping pong player. And there's uh, a chirp, and he's not even here to hear you. You're chirping. Yeah, well, he knows though. It's not really, <laughs> it's not really news. But and he bet me. We bet on his car because uh, he. I always made fun of him because he had this bright blue BMW car that looked like his wife should drive it. And, um, and so I told, I, we bet on it and I ended up beating him. Um, and I told him I was going to take the car home and it was going to be a, a, a playhouse for my chickens. <laughs> Cause you have a chicken coop in your backyard. I have a chicken coop. To yeah. clarify. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, trusty Shattenkirk came back and, and won it back for him. Shaddy stepped in and Shaddy's a really good ping pong player. Cause I'm actually not that good either, but I was just better than Terry. <laughs> so he temporarily lost the car to other yeah, clients. I had that, your I had that pink slip for a little bit. How do your neighbors feel about the fact that you have chicken? Like how many chickens? I, I know you got the chicken coop because your wife wants organic eggs. I get that. Talk, like, I, I just can't imagine your, 
Like I'm trying to picture what your house looks like with a chicken coop in the backyard. Your neighbor's like, what the hell, dude? Spend the oh, five bucks, nice, buy a dozen nice eggs. Well, I don't have a ton of neighbors. I got, I have five acres here in California. Okay. So um, right. my neighbor's not exactly right next door, but uh, no, we have chickens um, and we have mini goats now too. So they got their, I didn't realize there were mini goats. What is it? Oh, what is yeah. a mini goat? I didn't realize that was a thing. <laughs> Yeah, they're called pygmy goats. They're just little guys. They're awesome. Do they roam in your house or what? They run around and headbutt each other. Do you like take bets? Like, do you like spray paint the goat and say, I got I got the red one, you get the blue one, see who done wins in the headbutting category thing or no? <laughs> they do headbutt me too. They, they're oh, great. Perfect. They love their mom. They Paige walks. Paige actually walks. And we went for a walk the other day. It's probably on her social media that we walked them all the way down the street. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. That's freaking hilarious. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the Crave. Download the 7Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious Crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, fuel me up, Sev. You know the Crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just eleven sixty nine, order a large, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats, 24-7. I want to take you back to 2005. I'm, I'm working the World Juniors back then. One of the highlights of my career. Um, my own personal opinion, and I think of opinion of a lot of guys, probably the greatest Canadian junior team ever collected. Just for background for our audience, that was the year of the lockout, so... You know, every year we go through the debate which NHL teams are going to release which guys. Well, all of a sudden, all of you guys are available. You, you know, even the junior eligible guys. And I think Sid was what was he? He was still 17, right? He was an underager back then. He wasn't even drafted. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was still 17. What do you remember about that? A- apart from the fact that it was really, really freaking cold, as cold as I've been in my life. <laughs> it was miserable. You're right. Oh, it was freezing. Um, no, I remember, you know, that was kind of the same. It's funny how things happen, but I remember that almost the same as after my first year and we went into the summer uh, with the mentality that we were going to win. Um, the year before, if you rewind, we lost in the finals to the Americans yep. in Finland. Yep. Um, and I remember coming into the the camp in the summer um, for the World Junior Team and it was like, okay, this is it. We're, you know, we're building this team and we only have one one mission. Um I remember at, at, at the camp and this, like right before the tournament, uh, Sutter, like basically split up the groups and was like, these guys aren't playing today. The rest of you guys are fighting for spots. I don't care if you were on the team last year. And like, he said, that's not like Sutter at all. eh? (laughs) No, he's very subtle usually. Um, but yeah, but that was kind of the mentality. And then we went into that tournament with just this, this, well, we had a juggernaut of a team. Um, and we kind of knew it in the locker room, but we also went in with that attitude and that swagger that we were just going to go through this tournament. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. That was uh, a great tournament to be part of. First time probably playing on that biggest stage, um, yeah. being in Grand Forks with, you know, the whole country kind of behind you. And, and they showed out when they were there, too. It was nuts. I mean, we we started with you guys. I think we were in Winnipeg for a little while and then did the drive mm-hmm. down to Grand Forks. And as we were driving down, you're thinking in your head, Oh, we're going South. It's going to get warmed up a bit. No way, man. It was freaking cold. <laughs> no, it didn't get, it didn't get warmed up. No, it was cold. Definitely I don't know if you not. know this or not, but we, myself, Bob McKenzie, and I don't remember who else on our panel, our panel was in the concourse 
in Grand Forks. So we were surrounded by people. It was nuts because all, the reason I tell the story is because there were so many Canadians down there. Oh, yeah. We were in the U.S., but you had to know that a biggest chunk of the audience there, the biggest chunk of the crowd was Canadian. Did you feel like the home team there? Oh, yeah. I mean, every game was a home game for us there. Um, the facility was awesome. Um, yeah. It was, you know, and then the building, every game we played in was completely sold out of Canadian fans. And yeah. um, and it was fun, too, as I had I had lots of buddies that drove down. Um, we had a great crowd, great great amount of people that were there supporting us. So, yeah, it definitely felt like we were in Canada um, every game day. And it wasn't close, man. It was a 40, 41 to 7. You guys outscored the opponents, yeah. and I think in the in the 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 gold medal game against Russia, poor uh, Alexander Ovechkin. I don't think anybody ever wanted to say poor Ovi, but at that point, yeah. it was like I remember him walking down the hall at some point. At one point, the game wasn't even over yet; he was already in tears because he knew they were so vastly outmatched. Uh, you had Crosby, yourself, enough Shea Weber, Jeff Carter. I mean, the freaking roster was unbelievable. Yeah, even Berger came down and played. Yeah, Berger. Bergeron. He, he led the scoring. He led. He led yeah. the team. I think you got. You were number two, right? You and Berger were number one and two in scoring. I think so. I yeah. something like that. I'm not sure. It was crazy. It was a crazy mm-hmm. event. So I mean, I think nine guys who went on who were playing that team went on to win the cup, including yourself. Seven guys. Seven of you guys went on to represent Canada at the Olympic Games to win gold. Yeah, that was a cool, uh, cool thing when we were in that locker room. Um, and to look back at how many of us were in that locker room in the world juniors was very fun. Let's talk about Vancouver. Uh, again, <laughs> one of my career highlights. I didn't realize this gets, I didn't, I didn't realize so many of your career highlights also. Yeah. We were just I got to be together. a part of it. <laughs> no, just, so it's not just you and Perry. It's you, Perry and me as well. That's what was, what was Vancouver like for you? I know for us, it was insane because we walked everywhere. Everything was close. We didn't get to see any of the skiing events we were just covering the hockey, but we got to walk to all the, the practices, the games. And I mean, being in Canada in 2010 for Vancouver, it was insane for us. What was it like for you guys? Us, it was, it was cool. I mean, that tournament was a little bit weird for me. Um, having, I, I had a high ankle sprain yeah. two and a half weeks before the tournament. Um, everything was kind of up in the air on whether I was going to be able to play. Um, I spent most, <laughs> I spent most of the tournament, um, you know, kind of nursing that ankle, trying yeah. to figure out how I could get ready for the next game. Um, so I was doing a lot of you that. You still stuff. put up the points, uh, man. You had seven points in seven games. So it's not like you weren't contributing. No, no. I, you know, once no. I, you know, the doctors yeah. and everybody kind of took care of me and, um, you know, it was more leading up to it that the night okay. before the tournament, I, had I was going to say in the tournament, you look good. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. But I didn't, I didn't practice a whole lot during the tournament. I didn't, uh, you know, do a whole lot the night before, or actually the morning of, we played in Edmonton the night before, flew to Vancouver. And I remember at 6am, I had to go into a meeting with all the coaches, all the management. Um, I had to jump up and down on my ankle to prove to them that I was okay. No Um, way. Yeah, it was a pretty... It was a pretty crazy thing, and we were. It's funny. I remember going through it. And we were we were sitting in there, and finally Babcock said, "He goes, guys, what are we doing here?" He's like, "Gats, are you going to play?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Okay, let's go." And so he finally settled the argument. And um, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure they still talked about it after that. Management probably had the final say, but um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy thing. And then you know, being in Canada, I had so many family there. Um, we dealt with 
you know, it wasn't the true Olympic experience and the fact that, um, you know, we, we were in the village, but then I'd stay with you my family. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had our own area, but then we'd still go out to restaurants and stuff. We'd have yeah. team meals at restaurants. Um, so it almost felt like an NHL, you know, road trip <laughs> for some yeah. extent, but, um, but it, but what a cool time to go through, um, an experience in that tournament, the ups and downs of it all. And, um, we didn't have the same experience that we had the world juniors where we just kind of ran through it. Um, we had some bumps along the way. Um, even in the final game, it came down to, yeah. I mean, there's no better script you could have written for a Canadian fan or player. Um, we just really enjoyed and, and took that all in. I spoke to a number of guys that were on that team in their recollection at the end of the game and almost without fail, everybody says, once we got to overtime, we all knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> we, we, we knew we were going to win and we knew it was going to be Sid. Is yeah, that going to say, is that a consensus for everybody? Or is that just like after the fact guys are just saying, well, you know, sure. We knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anybody knew Sid was going to score, but it was fitting. Definitely. Uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that you saw follow him around his whole life. So, um, you know, we were just glad he was on our side, obviously. But I think there was a – we definitely did have a calming um, confidence going into that overtime. Um, you know, obviously overtime can go anyway. But yeah. uh, I think that after they scored late, uh, we went into the locker room, had enough leadership around that we just kind of relaxed. Everybody took a breath um, and got ready for the job at hand. Uh, you mentioned quirky guys. Paris is a bit of a quirky guy. I'm not sure there's anybody more quirky on that particular team than drew Doughty. <laughs> was it true was he really late for the gold medal game oh i don't know i, I don't know that, but that, thought, that, that sounds just like rumbled in late that definitely sounds like something dewey would do um he was late for a lot of things and <laughs> just kind of and almost uh, missed the plane coming home from sochi he definitely almost missed the plane coming home we had to go find him um and he i remember he came to the he came to the bus from sochi and he didn't even have his passport, his wallet, his bags, nothing. He just came to the bus and we were like, hey, you're, this isn't Canada, bud. You're not getting out of here without this stuff. Uh, so we had That's to go hilarious. scrounge that stuff up too and make sure he got home. That's hilarious. Great conversation with Ryan Getzlaff, Stanley Cup champion, the first in franchise history with the Anaheim Ducks back in 07. Two-time Olympic gold medalist, as we were just mentioning, world junior uh, champion as well. This is the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. All of this gets all of this from a Regina boy who uh, was there a point where the family tried to say, you're in Regina, home of the riders. You should be playing football. You actually grew <laughs> up playing tailback, right? You were a tailback I in did. football. Yeah. Can you I believe did, that yeah. you came from those humble beginnings to what you're able to accomplish ultimately? Yeah, I don't, I, I, it is crazy to, to look back on everything. Um, you know, I, I look back obviously as a father now, um, at, you know, what my parents did, you know, what they went through, um, and try and use a lot of that in my own life now with my kids. Um, the one thing that my family was great about is our family never, never pushed us. My brother went on to have a great career in the CFL, played for the Riders. Um, so maybe they put their eggs in that basket. I don't know. But um, <laughs> he's the boy we're the really proud of. At least of. one of us made the family proud, you know. Um, no, but, it, you know, our, our, our parents pushed us to the extent that, that we had to show up. We had to show up for our teammates yeah. all the time. 
um, whether it was practice at 7 a.m. or the games on the weekends or whatever it was, uh, when we signed up to play something, didn't matter if it was hockey, football, baseball, whatever it was. You were a pretty um, good baseball player too, right? That we you had played? to show up. I did. I played baseball. I love baseball. I still love yeah. baseball. Um, you went to nationals with a tournament team, didn't you? Didn't you go to a nationals tournament? Yeah, we went to Prince Edward Island for nationals in Peewee. Um, yeah. Very cool experience. Got to go. That was my first time ever with a billet family. They shipped us off and uh, my family was obviously there, but we stayed with the billet family and stuff the whole time, which was very cool. That is cool. You mentioned your brother. Yeah. Um, we can't not mention your brother. Uh, no. 10, 10 years? Did he play for the for the Green Riders for 10 years or for Saskatchewan? I know he played the Yeah, he played for, for the Riders, well. I think, for 10 and yeah. played a couple more in uh, Edmonton. You only got uh, so one yeah. Stanley Cup. He mm-hmm. got two Grey Cups. Yes, and sir. He's in Regina, which is the mecca of football. No offense. So Chris and Ryan Getzlaff walking down the street in downtown Regina. Who gets more accolades, more recognition? Between the two of oh, you, oh him, him for sure. He's a legend there. <laughs> he deserves it. He uh, he won at home. That's a uh, that's a tough thing to do when you're uh, yeah. when you're sitting in Saskatchewan. That's <laughs> you got to play through that bitter cold <laughs> we keep talking about. No kidding. Um, no. Your retirement. So now it's early April last year. Um, you're going to make the announcement, and you know when when we heard you're going to speak. Were you surprised by who was actually there? Because I heard oh, that yeah. maybe you didn't know who was going to be there as you're making. Walk us through what that experience was like for you. Yeah, I don't. That was, <laughs> it was weird. I, the the whole thing. If we back up a little step, the whole thing was really uncomfortable for me. I no. I don't like the no. you know as much as I'm on TV and do all the other stuff. I don't love the the attention on myself. I don't like that yeah. part of it. Uh, I never have. So you know, I went through this with our. PR guy a thousand times, um, you know, on all the stuff that he wanted to do. And I had to pull him back a whole bunch of times because I was like, Gilly, I don't want this. So we were waiting a long time to actually make the announcement. I didn't, like I said, I didn't really want the farewell tour, but Gilly, you know, kind of convinced me that we needed to do something in order to just include our fans. And, um, and he orchestrated kind of the whole thing. Um, and then, so that press conference, me being naive, I didn't really, he was like, Hey, I want you to talk to the press. Um, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay. So me being naive, I was thinking I was just going up to talk to the press. I'd done that a thousand times. Um, you know, and then things started to be a little bit weird because my teammates were kind of clearing out of the locker room and um, like fast and, and going up. And I didn't know they were going upstairs. But anyway, so um, yeah, then we went upstairs and I had no idea my family, uh, past teammates, anyone was going to be there. So that that was a big shock for me. <laughs> That was it. Was pretty special, man. It was yeah. Pretty special. It was very cool. It was pretty very special cool for me to be able to experience that with them, which was awesome. Yeah, and then the actual final game, April last April twenty fourth. Do you remember much of that? Uh, I do. I do remember. Um, you know, for the most part, um, you know, just enjoying the building again. I think, you know, you know, throughout my career, we had. I'm going to say first. Uh, 10 years of my career, we had a winning team every year. We went to the playoffs. We went deep in the playoffs many times. Um, I've seen that building rock. And, and um, that, you know, the last couple of years of my career were more of a rebuild um, and the building kind of 
you know, displays that without even, <laughs> without even trying to. Um, so I, I really wasn't sure what it was going to be like. Um, and, and I couldn't have been more pleased and, and, um, appreciative of how many people showed up. Um, it was a very, very humbling experience to see how many people I was able to touch the whole time I was here. You're still young. You're, are, yep. are you even 37 yet? Are you, I, uh, no, <laughs> did you lost track yourself? Maybe I Do you think it is? No, I think I am 37. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's good. At least I don't have to know it. If you don't know it, that, that gives me some permission. So I'm clear. For sure. There's still a lot of time. I mean, I, I know you want to catch up on some time with your family. Uh, you got four kids and you got to catch up some time with them and you got to clean the chicken crap out of your backyard because they don't clean up after themselves. <laughs> they don't. Unfortunately. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Um, I've been, you know, I've been kind of going through that steps. Um, I'm not someone who can just, you know, sit. I, I still feel like I have a lot to offer in, in the aspect of the game. I learned a lot over my career. Um, I was able to deal with different people throughout my career, which, um, not everyone has, not everyone's gone through that transition where, um, I started with kind of the old school mentality, the old school guys, um, and now dealing with, you know, the, the Troy Terry's and the Zegras's and those kids that came in, um, was like a totally different experience. So I would like to, you know, possibly get into management at some level, um, trying to help, um, in that any way that I can there. We look forward to, man, you know, and I look forward to, um, there's no Hulky Hall of Fame jinx, so don't worry about that. It's not like saying <laughs> shout out. And then, I mean, over a thousand points in your career, Stanley Cup, World Cup gold, World Junior gold. I mean, you've, the stuff you accomplished, I look forward to being able to welcome you. I get to, one of the great joys of my career is I get to, to be there on the red carpet to welcome you guys into the Hall of Fame. And I'm looking forward to that, man. Um, it's, it's been great following your career and watching you. You're uh, a real gentleman in the game. I know you don't like talking about yourself. So the fact that I just asked you to do that for the last half hour is awesome. <laughs> appreciate <I'm>, that. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate your time, man. And I'm so glad oh, for you. You look like you're happy. You look like you're enjoying retirement. You're content in it and you're not having any regrets. You're feeling good about things right now. I am. Um, like I said, I, I would like to be a little bit more involved uh, in the game still. Um, there's plenty of time for that, obviously, coming up. But yeah. uh, overall, I'm, I'm very pleased, very happy to be uh, be a dad right now and <laughs> drive my kids around. I'm, a, I'm an unpaid Uber driver when school ends. So um, it's pretty cool to be part of uh, the things that I've missed and uh, not have to miss recitals or, uh, you know, I get to coach baseball now with my son and uh, I really enjoy that. Perfect. Ryan, great catching up with you, my friend. I'm glad you're doing so well. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me, man. Stanley Cup champion, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, World Cup gold, World Junior gold, and top 100 scorer of all time in NHL history, Ryan Gensler. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh, 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot from the oven pizza and wings, pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, and a loaf of bread from the 7Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 
7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. Here are a couple of hot, tasty ways to crush the crave. Download the 7 Now delivery app, and 7-Eleven will have your hot and delicious crave crushers to your door almost before you can say, Fuel me up, Sev. You know the crave I'm talking about. The one that's whispering wings or pizza in your ear right now. For just $11.69, order a large hot from the oven in minutes pepperoni pizza. Add a two-liter Coke or Pepsi for $2. 7-Eleven is your go-to for fast delivery of Slurpee, groceries, essentials, meals, snack and treats 24-7.